Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 10 of 321 No Kidding. Thank you for being here, beautiful people. Uh, I don't know how to describe this episode other than a lot of fun, a lot of learning, and a lot of different directions. Our guest today is Guy Waltman, and he's here from the same area that I live in. And he just has a wealth of knowledge surrounding nutrition and health. He's one of the people in the community that even though he isn't in a 12-step program, you might say he practices the 12-step every day. He just focuses on giving back and, and wants what's good for the masses. And he offers us a lot of insight today. I hope that you can appreciate his energy as much as I did. I learned things. I can't wait to have him back again. But We'll start off with this first visit. Welcome to 321 No Kidding, Guy. Thank you for being here. 321 No Kidding. <laughs> Love it. To all the listeners at home, I got to say, you got a pretty sweet setup going on in here. So official. Thank you. I know you're hung up on my cool po- po- blah, hostess. Yes. I can't even talk. Well, you got the sticky notes all over the <laughs> room, which is a lot of inspiration here. I love it. Uh, oh, thank you. And a lot of colors. My fancy decor. Um, so, you, I met you. I was very fortunate to go to one of your fun classes, which you'll describe later. But I met you through a mutual friend, and um, you are one of my fitness icons now with your positivity message and the things you do. So I didn't know local yokels could be icons. Well, you can be. Um, so, I'm thrilled. <laughs> So if you could kick us off by telling us a little bit about yourself, um, who you are, what you're about. Well, if you want to know about myself, and you clearly can see that I don't enjoy shaving, (laughs) I texted Bobby, everyone out there, I I, I texted, I go, wait a second, is this this video or is it just audio? (laughs) And when she said just audio, I was like, okay, well, I guess then you get the, you get scruffy guy. Um, But no, I grew up in the 518 area code. Uh, I don't know if your listeners are all over or if they're um, or if they're just in this region, but the 518 area code is like Schenectady, Albany, Troy. It's also Lake Placid for, I, that puzzles me, but it is. Um, so I grew up in Schenectady right here. Um, and my passion for everything that I do is rooted in a very profound personal story that I can either share or, or share the sob story of. But uh, I want to help America get healthy. I think that we are facing the largest public health crisis in the history of the world, actually. Um, I mean, there are over eight, 8 billion people who are alive today in the world, and I would say that the vast majority of those billions, I would say like close to 8 billion of the 8 billion, wake up feeling uninspired to go to work. They come home feeling unfulfilled by the work they did that day. You, you know, sort of infuse that with the physical health crisis of, um, metabolic disease, which is an umbrella that, encompass, that encompasses 
um, type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, lipid problems, cancer, and obesity, and just all of these um, all of these diet-related and preventable illnesses. This is the biggest issue that, that the world, I think, has ever faced, maybe that in climate change. So um, the purpose that I have found in my life is, is helping people transform and rehabilitate their health, but also working on the preventative side and trying to create a new culture for America uh, that also then you know, extends beyond our borders. So that's my life's purpose, and I'm happy to share that message with all the viewers and everybody I can, any chance I can. Awesome. Do you want to give a little history of why that became so important to you? Well, sure. So that's the that's the sob story that we're gonna just put in story form without the tears. Um, <laughs> but just just that my father basically just uh, killed himself from from lifestyle behavior, the way he chose he chose to live his life. Um, you know that for you can actually speak to as a as an addict uh, as an addict yourself. Sometimes it's not your choice, right? Um, if you will. So he clearly had a food addiction, is my point. Um, so whether, you know, some of it's conscious, some of it's a little bit beyond control. Uh, you know, fast food, sugar, um, lack of exercise, things like that. He didn't take care of himself, which led to heart attacks, diabetes, um, ultimately cancer, obesity. And, and that initially had me thinking I wanted to be a brain surgeon because it was a brain tumor that ultimately took his life. So fascinatingly, the more I researched that brain tumor, the more I actually found it really interesting and kind of ironic at the same time. But I said to myself, I can really devise a lot of meaning out of this for my life. If there are kids of the future who find themselves in a certain, you know, in a similar circumstance with a parent or a loved one who has, you know, a brain tumor like this or something, then I can help. But the more that I researched it, um, and actually, when the researchers, um, University of Albany, <clears throat> or Albany Med, I should say, researched my father's body, and they told us that he had obesity-induced cancer. Obesity-induced cancer. The look on your face right now, I have to dive into that a little bit. Um, I'll dive into that in a moment. But that is when I said, oh my God, I can make such a greater impact on the world, not by being a brain surgeon, but instead by combating the root cause of, at minimum, my father's cancer and the cancer of so many others. That look on your face, should we talk about it? Sure, I never heard that term before, so please expand okay. on it. So, the worldwide leading type of cancer is lung cancer, caused predominantly, of course, by cigarette smoking. However, the worldwide leading cause of cancer is not cigarette smoking, it's obesity. So <clears throat> your, I want you to imagine a airport security system. You show up at the airport and you have to, you know, check all your baggage and go through the line and the whole thing. Designed so that a terrorist does not get on the airplane, right? Just for fifth grade language. But it happens. Sometimes it happens, and, or I should say throughout human history, it has happened, okay? Your body also has an airport security system. All of the trillion cells that make up who and what you are have to go through cell replications all the time, which means you have trillions of cell replications happening all the time. 
all of those trillion cell replications do not go properly all the time. Cancer cells, which are mutated cells, occur in you, in me, all the time. If not daily, weekly, all the time. But it's okay. Your body has a security system to very quickly identify and eliminate those problematic cells. I'm telling you it happens all the time. But if you are twice the size that you are supposed to be based on your height and weight and your bone structure, your frame, okay? Because, <clears throat> so I'm like 180 pounds right now. Um, so if I was, Mike Pankos is a client of mine. He, when I met him, he was 500 pounds, okay? When, or a client of mine, Scott Havens, when I met him, 640 pounds. Okay, so if I am so unbelievably overweight, now I have that many more trillions of cells than I'm supposed to have, all of which are cell replicating. But what happens is when you double your size, okay, when you double the amount of cells that you're supposed to have based on your height and weight and frame, or if you triple the amount of cells that you're supposed to have based on your height and weight and frame, that twice as many or three times as many cell replications that are occurring, the reason why the odds of one of them not getting caught, AKA a terrorist getting on the airplane is because the security system in your body doesn't increase with your size. That doesn't increase. So I'm imagining the formal, just like you're describing the double and triple. So if the airport had double or triple volume, there's times that they put you through that fast pass where you don't have to stick your arms up. Mm. You just go through that other machine. Imagine three people walking through that at the same time. Okay. That's what I'm talking about. It's met, it's designed so that one person walks through the machine at a time. And if only one person walks through at a time, no problem. The machine will hundred percent be able to do its job. But if I'm twice as big as I'm supposed to be, that's two people walking through that machine at the same time. Or it could be three people. If you're three times the weight that you should be, then now one of the terrorists gets on the airplane. Okay. And so that's how obesity can, it does cause cancer. Obesity is the, is the worldwide leading cause of cancer because of all of the different types of cancer it can cause. So obesity can cause, you know, like skin cancer, obviously brain cancer, as we've talked about, um, liver and esophageal and colon cancer, breast cancer, there's so many different kinds of cancer that, that simply being bigger than you're supposed to be uh, can lead to. That's very scary. Well, <clears throat> it's scary, but it's also my source of purpose. It's like my source of meaning in my life. I have identified a problem, right? When you think about just what entrepreneurship is, Entrepreneurship is identify a problem, come up with a solution, right? There's, there's a lot of different definitions for entrepreneurship. There's, you know, some people like Robert Hershey back on Shark Tank defines entrepreneurship as creating a customer. Okay. Whereas like Mark Cuban does it defines entrepreneurship as identifying a problem and creating a solution. Mr. Wonderful who sits in the middle there, but defines it as he's my future husband. He's on my future <laughs> husband list. Is I he? love him. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Mr. Wonderful identifies entrepreneurship. He, he, his definition is actually just the pursuit of freedom. But the point is it doesn't matter um, in terms of <clears throat> my, the meaning that I've developed for my life is yes, like as an entrepreneur, I am, uh, I think I do like identify with Mr. Wonderful in there and that like I choose entrepreneurship because of that pursuit of freedom. 
um, to be able to do what you want to do and live the way you want to live and not have to really just answer to certain people and, and or, or whatever. I love Robert Herjavec for when he says, you know, it's creating a customer because yes, of course, like I'm trying to literally serve the needs of others, like 100%, contribute positively to society, AKA like creating customers, it's fine. Um, but it's also absolutely, I've identified a problem. Obesity is the worldwide leading cause of cancer. I've identified a problem. The vast majority of people who live in this world wake up feeling uninspired and go to bed that night unfulfilled by the work that they did that day. We have you know, an age of melancholy. These are the problems, right? Childhood depression, childhood anxiety. There's 18 million children in America alone who are clinically diagnosed with anxiety or depression. This is madness. I've identified a, a really a set of problems and I've put together what I think is a pretty comprehensive solution. And that's, that's why I'm here. Can you give us an overview of some of those solutions or some examples like Scott I know personally, mm. um, maybe a little about his journey if he's okay with that. I hope he's okay with that. Oh, he's more than okay. Scott just lost his 400th pound. Wow. His 400th pound, yeah. It, it, it's, it's remarkable. I mean, if there's like any football fans out there, right, like a, an NFL lineman, okay, like who's snapping the ball at Tom Brady, he might weigh he might weigh 280 to 330 tops, like William the Fridge Perry for like the old schoolers, like like maybe maybe 330 pounds, but like, yeah. I mean, Scott Havens just lost his 400 pound, which means that every, I mean, he had a NFL lineman plus a toddler, <laughs> like on his, more than a toddler, you know, yeah. like, like walking around on his back. I mean, it's just absolutely absurd. So Scott, love you and, and shout out to you. Um, so yeah, I'd say Scott's doing well, but regarding like those solutions, right? Any trainer, um, any, and I mean any trainer, I don't mean that meaning like fitness wise, like I'm a trainer. Um, Tony Robbins is like a trainer. I probably don't deserve to be in the same sentence as Tony Robbins, but, but Tony Robbins is a trainer. No question. Like he trains, um, you know, like in every capacity, right? Like he helps people with health transformations. He helps people with psychological transformations. He's helped, he helps businesses, right? He trains businesses and entrepreneurs. And so any trainer, no matter what the capacity, will tell you that the actual transformation occurs between the ears, right? The, the physical manifestation of that training is gonna, might be like physical, right? Because, oh, our, our gross profit margin has gotten bigger or, um, oh, I lost 15 pounds or whatever. So the, the, the manifestation of that training, yes, that's gonna be physical, tangible, but the transformation is happening in between your ears, period. So in terms of like the solution that, that I have crafted, it's obviously, it obviously has to be holistic in nature. Holistic meaning not just fitness, right? So I prioritize the mind just as much as the muscle, right? We, we don't just burn, we learn, right? We, um, we have a, uh, well, here with what I do in the local yokel side of things, um, we have the um, the physical fitness side of it. We obviously have the nutritional component of it. We then have the positive psychology element of it. Um, and all of that comes together to, um, to rehabilitate and to transform lives at any age ability. And that's the honest to God, shortest, 
given, like, granted, uh, kind of surface level, kind of vague, but like without getting into too much of the actual specifics, that's what I do. I take a holistic approach to helping people um, recapture their lives. And Scott's the example. And well, I've Scott's seen... the poster boy. Yeah. Scott's, <laughs> Scott's the poster boy. <laughs> Used to be a bigger poster. Now it's a 400 pound smaller poster. <laughs> I, I know you don't want to get into like the total minutia, but oh, I'll get into whatever you want. I'm, I was impressed by going to your class. So I'm sure you're trying to be a little humble here and you don't have to be, but volunteering at the, um, they're not going to know what city mission is. The but, Schenectady homeless shelter. Yeah. So, and you could correct me if I'm wrong. I know what I saw, but essentially you're giving them an hour long class of Anybody can do it. Um, some of the people that I met were um, addicts as well. Mm -hmm. they, they talked about some of their recovery, which was cool. But Certainly. your process was they were, they were rewarded for attendance and partici participation. And then the thing that I love the most, and people think I'm crazy, because like I just told my counselor about this the other day. I was like, I asked her if she wanted her teeth or her brain. I learned that from you a year ago, right, and right, it's right. still there. What do right. you mean? That's like a no-brainer. and uh, A no-brainer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm bummed. Yeah, like the idea there is like if you, if you had the choice between keeping your teeth and losing your mind or keeping your mind but losing your teeth, we would all choose to be okay. mindful, toothless people, right. period. Um, and the, but the gist there is that every day of our lives like we like in order in, in an effort to take care of our teeth we have dental hygiene okay so i am going to speak as if this applies to all people because i really <laughs> hope it does we all brush our teeth at least <laughs> at least a time or two a day um so like okay so we have like 365 days in a year and of those 365 days 365 of them we spend brushing our teeth that's dental hygiene, and yet we don't do mental hygiene. There is no mental hygiene. You are not, um, or at least as a culture. I mean, of course, there are people out, you know, out there listening who are like, "Well, I'm gonna, you know, I, I object, you know, because <laughs> I do take care of my mental hygiene." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, as a rule in this country, uh, it is not ingrained in our culture that we that we have mental hygiene prioritized. And that's a problem, right? And then, so you wouldn't eat like a rotten tomato. Like if it had mold growing all over it, you wouldn't eat that. Yet we eat rotten thoughts every day, every day of our lives. If I put a microphone up to you and it could broadcast to your listeners what you, Bobby, say to yourself every day, you wouldn't hang out with yourself. You would not hang out with yourself because you're telling yourself that you can't do things. I'm not saying you, I'm saying me, everybody. Right. We all do this. We all doubt ourselves. We all have we all have self-deprecating like thoughts and notions, hundred percent. All of us do, and you wouldn't hang out with someone like that who was always putting you down, being like, "No, Bobby, you can't do it." You know, like you got a you know fitness center across the room, and it's like you feel like working out. You're like, "No, you can't. You can't. You're just too tired." You wouldn't hang out with that person. We would number one, we would institutionalize you, and number two, you wouldn't <laughs> hang out with that person, right? Right. So, and yet we care so much about our, our dental health, our dental hygiene, and that's the gist. Of um, coming to the homeless shelter to that point, it's, 
Mensana and Corpre Sano. Okay, Mensana, the, look, <laughs> the looks that I get. <laughs> Mensana and Corpre Sano is, is a healthy, a healthy body equals a healthy mind. This was from the ancient Pompeians. Um, we've known for thousands of years that a healthy body is a healthy mind, which is, and, it, and it's a two-way street, a healthy mind is a healthy body. Um, when you look at um, the homeless, when you look at the prison, when you look at the juvenile delinquent um, systems that exist, like homeless shelters and things like that, we kind of show how young we still are as a society. Like I literally start by prefacing it with, with Mensana and Corpresano to say that for thousands of years, we've known a healthy body equals a healthy mind, okay? We're so young in America. I mean, so young, like modern society the last like 100, 200 years, we're babies. Because are we really surprised that, that no one's getting rehabilitated? I'm sitting at Johnny's right here in Schenectady on State Street, okay? And I'm waiting for um, for Paula, my fiance, and, and my mom to get out of a show. They're seeing the Russian ballet or whatever. So I'm sitting there and I'm, you know, I'm having an appetizer and there's this guy next to me. We've been sitting next to each other for a half hour, for God's sakes. And I'm like, really? We're the only two people in the bar. We can't have a conversation. So I say to the guy, I go like, you know, we should talk. <laughs> and he laughed and he was like, I was just thinking the same thing. And I got out of him, I was like, so what do you do? And he said that he's a warden at a juvenile delinquent rehabilitation facility. Mm. So <clears throat> we got talking and I go, how are your rehabilitation rates? Like, like the success, you know? And he like put his head down and said, it's really awful. And I said, can I ask you some, some questions? And he was open to it. So I said, what do the kids eat nutritionally? I so knew you were gonna go there. And I'm having flashbacks of inpatient treatment and the 800 ways to disguise hamburger. Mm-hmm. Right. So bad. Oh, okay. Uh, to, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you're fine. I mean, literally to know what's in like a McDonald's hamburger is to never eat McDonald's again. So maybe we should get into that later. But anyway, <laughs> so I said like, what do the kids eat nutritionally? And he, and he put his head down. He's like, oh my God. And I, and he wasn't like, I jumped back in. I go, is it what? Like food fit for dogs? And he goes, yeah, it's Taco Bell. I was like, not literally Taco Bell, but he was just drawing like, yeah, yeah it's like unbelievably horrible quality. I go, okay, okay, great, strike one. Strike. <laughs> I go, what do the kids do physically with their bodies, right? Because we know that when you move your body, your chemistry changes. It, it absolutely affects how you feel. So it's like, okay, what do the kids do with their bodies physically? And he's like, they get a little the time outside. Otherwise, they're like in their cells. It's like, okay, we have adolescents in cells. Okay, that's good. And then, like, okay, third, like, the energy that they're absorbing from their environment. Like, what is it? He's like, it's toxic. They're, you know, they're pissing on the guards. And, you know, it's like a horrible thing. And I'm like, and are we wondering why we're, these kids are re being rehabilitated? Like, what are we talking about right now? Same thing with the prison system, of course, right? Three main pillars in my very unbelievably humble estimation. Three pillars of rehabilitation in that um, formal institutionalized setting what you do with your body physically, what you put in your body nutritionally, and what you, and the energy you absorb from your environment. Okay, those three, when you look at like this particular um, juvenile delinquent rehabilitation center, strike one, strike two, strike three. Go to any prison, how's the food? What do they do physically? How's the energy they're absorbing from their environment? Strike one, strike two, strike three. Mm -hmm. um, 
And then you go to any homeless shelter, coming full circle to your point, I'm sorry, but you come to any homeless shelter, it's strike one, strike two, strike three. Homeless shelters are on incredibly tight budgets because if they are government funding, there's not enough allocated. And if they're self-funded, like the Schenectady City Mission, you're, you're constantly fundraising. The, the fundraising effort never ends. So, so food is always crap. And I'm sorry, the city mission in Schenectady is really no different. Mike Sakosio does an unbelievably good job. Um, Mike Sakosio deserves to be applauded for sitting down with me, for saying, guy, how can we improve? Right? So meaning he's, he's aware, right? right? But the, but it's still not good. And for decades, it's been bad. Okay. So strike one, the food in all homeless shelters, the food is abysmal and, and not for nothing. The, there is nothing more grim than a homeless shelter at mealtime period, which jumps me right to the energy they're absorbing from their environment. Okay. That's strike two. Okay, because whether it's mealtime or whether it's outside of mealtime, it's a grim, depressing environment. These people, they're homeless. And then three, what do they do with their body physically? There are no structured physical fitness programs at homeless shelters. What is we? What are we doing? And that, and now we look at these people and like their burdens on society. We're not offering them a pathway to reintegrate. So, anybody listening out there, I want free fitness classes offered at every single homeless shelter in this country. That I don't understand how fitness is an offered absolutely free for those in the most need. Okay. So I am a personal trainer, uh, a certified personal trainer, group fitness instructor, weight loss specialist, youth fitness specialist. Um, I, I offer my time for free have been for three years at the Schenectady homeless shelter because at least in this area code that I can control, yes, fitness is going to be offered for free to these homeless people, but that's only once a week. I mean, like, like I struggle with feeling guilty sometimes because I'm like, there's six other days of the week. How, how big of a difference am I actually making? But I'm sorry, there haven't been six other personal trainers in this area who have stepped up. If there were six other, I mean, there's a, and there's plenty of trainers there. You got vent fitness, you got, you got, um, you know, all the private, Oh, sugar planet, the Y all the, you know, self-employed. Okay. Like I need six of you to step up because, because I got one day covered. All right. And I'll even step up. I'll do two or three more if I, if there was a real effort to get it done, but that's like the vision that I see. Mm. Wow. That was a lot. This is what speechless looked like. It was a lot. And I apologize. (laughs) No, it's good. I, I liked your call to action. That's, and, and you're right. It, it shouldn't be one person times seven. If it was seven people times one, it's definitely a different element. And I just learned some stuff from what you said. We, we are living, um, in a world where you can make a change. Like, like this world right now is like let me give an example everyone listening right now is at the most a google away from finding a checklist of things online that if they were to follow those checklists it would change their life you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like this is from this little 
bit was from a TED Talk I watched recently uh, by a woman named Mel Robbins. She was incredible to listen to. But she said, she said, um, anything you want to do, like if you want to like start a school in Africa, you can literally go into any library right now and probably get like ten books telling you how to do it. That's how you start a podcast too. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> you want to have a podcast? You you go to the library, you Google it, and there are P- YouTubers who will walk you through exactly how they did it. I mean, it's like we there really is no excuse to, in my opinion, not contribute positively to society. It's just, and I'll also add, I think it's human nature to want to. Like, most people want to help. The problem is most people don't ask for help, right? Like, if you ask for help, you're probably, like, you got that, like, demon in your mind. It's like, oh, I'm afraid because what if they say no? But if you actually were to, like, just go over and ask and pop the question, you're probably going to be pretty pleasantly surprised by the most, by, by the majority of answers you get. Because most people do want to help, right? They might just not know how, right? So yeah, so I throw it out and I say, okay, I got, I got this initiative going at the Schenectady Homeless Shelter. We come, we work out for free, uh, nine miles east of a farm outside of Saratoga. Uh, they donate these incredible uh, salads. They're really amazing. We have a positive meal, right? So not that grim meal atmosphere. We got the Motown music playing. We all sit down, we have some salad. Uh, after having just gotten a sweat in and people leave, feeling a lot better um and i would love to to recruit anybody into that uh into that effort with me and there was a correlation too right between emergency room visits and what was going on at the mission yeah so just the the gist there is that the preventative health care system that our country is abiding by which is of course the way to go that is the way of the future treatment only gets you so far preventative is the is the ball game um, the preventative healthcare system is crippled by people who are misusing and abusing the emergency rooms. Um, you know, you and I, if we have a cough, you know, we would, if it, I mean, we'd probably just figure it out ourselves. But if we actually had to see somebody, we're not going to an ER, we're going to go to our primary. Right. Um, for people, who are experiencing homelessness. Um, and that's an important distinction to make. Um, it's, it is, you know, we live in a very PC world, but, and I, and I try not to indulge it to its, to its max because there are people who are just too sensitive, but, but it is important to not say homeless people. They are people before they are homeless. Um, so for, for people who are experiencing homelessness, um, they do go to the emergency room for a cough they do go to the emergency room for a stomach ache. Um, so that is crippling the system. So you have, like right here at Ellis Hospital, for example, far too many uh, patients who come in for things that they shouldn't be there for. And then when they're uninsured, the surrounding population in that area gets you know, the bill. So a effort to educate, inspire, and improve the health of people facing homelessness is going to be the tip of a rocket. And that's what I've been doing for three years. Wow. But we haven't taken off yet. We're still, <laughs> no, it's a, I mean, that's, we, we actually have had some pretty amazing transformations, but, um, 
terms of revenue generation, it's tough. It's tough because it's a not-for-profit 501c3 that that we I still got to make a living. You know, if I if I could just make sure that my basic needs were met, I would literally wake up and I would then go serve others all day. But you know, you have to you got to make a living. So do you do something else as a real job? Yeah, so I, I, my, a revenue job? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, I work as a weight loss transformation specialist. So, so I work with people from 20 pounds to, you know, who have to lose 20 pounds to people who want to lose 400 pounds, like Scott. Um, that's my like, bread and butter, and that's what I do in the local yokel. Like, I'm not 9 to 5, but you get the point. Um, with the entrepreneurial goal of taking what I do in person so well virtually um i kind of uh you want to laugh i'll give sure i'll give you a laugh i'll give you a laugh because i know that you will you will not laugh at me you will just be <laughs> laughing okay the people listening they might laugh at me i don't know <laughs> but i kind of i view myself as like the modern day richard simmons like like oh, the okay. You know, no sparkly pants and like, but but like someone who um, is just real and relatable and actually cares about the people. Um, and um, you know, he pioneered the at-home fitness space. So I think we just need a modern version that is holistic, uh, and that's what I'm raising money to do right now, entrepreneurial. That's awesome. I I don't think that's anything to laugh at. I've told people along the way with my adventure that I'm going to be the Tony Robbins of recovery. So oh, I love that. I'm aligned with you. <laughs> I love that. So, well, like you said, I, I got my little, I'll be on Ellen. Yes. And I see. Mr. Wonderful will marry me someday. Is that up there? No, <laughs> no, I have, a, I have a whole future husband list and he's on there. Um, Pitbull, Kid Rock. My mom's future husband list. <laughs> I think it had. Was it? I feel like there was a second one too. But but I I just know that there was a there was one that my mom like her celebrity crush. You probably won't even know like it's not really a full time celebrity or like a full blown celebrity. But Ben Bailey, you know that name? No. He was the host of the Cash Cab. You ever see that oh, show? <laughs> the ball guy. The ball guy. My mom's obsessed with the ball guy. That's awesome. <laughs> my mom's in love with Ben Bailey. Sorry, Randy. That's her, that's her new husband. <laughs> that's great. Trump was on mine too, but people get upset nowadays because they think it's because he was president. But I loved his business mine years ago. So, really? Yeah. Yeah, I tried out for The Apprentice twice. Wait, did you really? Mm -hmm. Obviously, I didn't get there, but... Right, right, right. Yeah, I've been obsessed. I wanted to go to Wharton. I One mean, thing I will say about, about President Trump, um, political views aside, I have... If I'm being frank, zero interest in going there. Um, he has pretty incredible kids, like absolutely incredible kids. Yeah. Like at least in, I don't know anything about them. Never met them, but in terms of their, you know, persona, the way they carry themselves, uh, successful. You know, granted, like it's kind of easy when daddy's a, you know, billionaire or whatever. But, but if you ever listen to Ivanka Trump public speak, you're gonna be, yeah. You you are lying to yourself if you don't think she's incredibly impressive she in, is. in that venue so uh i will definitely say that about president trump i mean there there are 
maybe political reasons why one might choose to not be a fan of his, but in terms of that, he, I think, deserves a compliment. Yeah, and that that was my attraction, is the business mind. Yeah. So. Sure, sure. Um, you said a couple things that got me excited to go in other directions. and We're going in, in very different we directions than we had planned, but that's okay. That is okay. Well, I want to go back a little bit ago sure. when you were talking about the voices in our head mm. because I just like really learned to appreciate that. And, and I feel like the last few years, and I don't know if there's something like – on Facebook friends with say half a dozen people from high school and the dynamic is so different than it was you know when we were younger you know like we're very supportive and complimentary and cheerlead for each other and it's not something going back to when I listen to my 15 year old niece it's that's not the world she's living in and I don't think that's the way we always were in high school either um, and People are starting to come out a little bit more about depression, about addiction, about all those things. And I think we're doing a better job supporting each other as a general rule. But my, my little trick or what I say to people and what I try to tell myself is, would I talk to my best friend the way I talk to the voice of my head? I picked that up somewhere along the way. And when I apply that, I just feel like, Mm. so much better you yeah. know like this this is the scariest thing I think I've ever done the so the generation now has access to certain messages that the older generation didn't unless they had a very mature and worldly mentor right parents slash mentor like, think about it. If you grew up 50 to 100 years ago, who was necessarily talking to you about living a purpose-driven life? So you might grow up your whole childhood, your whole, you know, all of your adolescent years, all the way up to the point where it's time for you to go get a job. You, that, it's probably likely that you would have gone all that time never having even just hearing anybody say that in life it's important to live a purpose-driven career, okay? So now you have this whole generation who, like, that's all they hear. That's all they hear. And so if you are 50 to 100 years ago growing up, now you get a job, and that job doesn't necessarily give you purpose. It might not cripple your psychological well-being, because ignorance is bliss. Mm -hmm. You don't know that, that you're not thinking about how that job isn't giving you purpose because the idea of living a purpose-driven life hasn't even occurred to you because you're not hearing it. But now we have Tony Robbins, and we have Brendan Bouchard, and we have you know E.T., the hip-hop preacher, and we have Mel Robbins, and we have the Inspired Podcast. Podcast galore, okay? We have so many, these kids, they're just, it's all they're hearing about. They're hearing about prioritizing their well-being they're they're hearing about making a difference making an impact on the world and and you know devising meaning and starting with what is what is your why and not starting with the what but starting with your why and that's all they hear about and then they get into the real world and you talk to them and you're like how's your job going and they're like i i'm not having i'm, I'm i don't like it and you're like why 
you're like, I'm not, I don't think I'm making an impact. And they're like, how long you worked here? And you're like, a few months. <laughs> and you're like, like, what? So you combine that with like the instant gratification, right? The need for instant gratification. Mm -hmm. this, these are the words now of Simon Sinek, who's just, oh my God, Simon Sinek is so inspiring. But he says, um, <laughs> okay, when I grew up, I had to learn how to like awkwardly go over to a woman and like ask her out. <laughs> like, and you had, you had to go through that. Like right. you had to like fumble your words and you had to make a fool out of yourself a couple of times before you like, you know, you got something to take you seriously. Like, but now you just swipe right or mm -hmm. left. I've never used a dating app. Which, <laughs> which way do you swipe right or left? I don't even know which way you swipe. Um, you swipe, you know, and like you want something delivered, it's there in two days. Mm -hmm. Like you don't only have, you don't have to wait anymore. You want to watch a movie? You're not looking at movie times, Netflix, Roku, whatever. Like you want food? Order it. Like it's instant gratification all across the board. So we have a generation of children who do, in a very literal and measurable way, have a diminished sense of well-being in comparison to those who came before. It's a challenge for this group and a challenge that I see um, being exacerbated by the fact that we don't teach well-being formally in schools. It's really great that we all learn that, you know, Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492. 92, right? I looked at you and you finished the sentence, okay? It's really great. But why don't we learn about priorities, purpose, gratitude, forgiveness, um, you know, resiliency. Why don't we learn about grit and meaningfulness and, and all of these things formally in school? Why? Why are we leaving the character curve, if you will, right, to parenting and, like, in my opinion, I guess, life skills shouldn't be left to life alone to teach right well yeah because you can't choose your home environment and your parents and if you get in that bad spot you don't have access to it at all at all at all go back to the homeless shelters the prisons and the juvenile delinquent centers the energy you are absorbing from your environment that is so important so yeah you have that little voice in your head that Maybe like maybe you do a pretty good job of that voice, like keeping that voice in your head as a member of your team, right? Like if you're not playing for your own team, then like that's well, that's not going to lend itself to to much success for you, at least emotionally. But if you live, if you are actually spending time around people who are putting you down, and the energy around you is toxic. That is an almost impossibly difficult task for that voice in your head to, to, to do, to, meaning to stay positive all the time. Right. Right? So you have to remove yourself from those environments. And that's easier said than done when you're eight years old, you know, at school two in Troy, and you're wondering where your next meal is coming from. We got a lot of problems, but hopefully we have a lot of people, you know, ready to embrace those challenges. You're gonna solve them all for us. I'm working on it. I see that. I, uh, I actually have created a curriculum. It took me years to flush out, years. I'm very proud of it. 
Uh, and right now I'm trying to figure out a way through my 501c3 to get it into school. So I've created that, that curriculum that teaches, uh, if you want to call them intangibles, right? Just like intangible traits, right? Like the character curve, as I referred to earlier, right? Positive psychology. I created that curriculum and I'm trying right now to get it into schools. That's cool. Kind of like the Bill Nye the Science Guy for science, but like like Bill Nye the Science Guy for um, for character building, intangibles, um, and positive psychology. So if you get that done, and you'll have to keep us all posted on that, by the way, but as I'm sitting here wearing my recovery glasses and my attic glasses, I'm thinking about, well, how many people in addiction, if they had a tool like that in their toolbox, would be where they are today. You know, like I learned those things as an adult. Can I ask you a question? Yes. If growing up, you went through a comprehensive curriculum that embedded in you the intangible traits of like gratitude, resiliency, grit, and willpower, and determination, and ambition, and meaningfulness, and blah, 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 right? For your entire formal education, do you feel as though that would actually reduce in a tangible way the prevalence of addictions? Absolutely. There you go. Like a, a million percent. That's what I'm sitting here like wrapping my brain around because nobody ever talked about that stuff. Right. You know, and, and I'm not like bashing my family environment or anything, but... It, well, and let me ask you one more question. Okay. When you go for counseling, is a big part of counseling education? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, ready? So... I view like what it's preventative. Just there like, you go. Just like I was just, the medical. There you go. Well, we're talking right. We're talking about preventative health care, right? Which is of course the way of the future. But what about preventative education? Yeah. I mean, we do it in all the other areas. We we learn about sex, sex ed, sex ed, mm-hmm. right? We learn as as men. We learn well. I actually, I don't know if this, maybe this is just where I went to school in Iskayuna. I don't know if all schools do this, but, but we had to take several seminars on treating women, respectful women. Really? Yes. And so, so like in an effort to prevent, you know, well, sexual assault and, and just discrimination and degradation and, you know, diminishing and blah, 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 you know, of, of women. Um, why, why don't we have preventative education for this, like for depression, <coughs> for addiction, for all of that? It's a, it's a good question. And when I was at the conference last month at the gambling conference, of course, I'm in the minority. It's mostly counselors and clinicians and social workers and mm. stuff. And there's, um, a lot of resources that are trying to be preventative and get the word out. But they had the same issues with budgets, with 
the one lady described it, she can get into a school and they could get approved for, say, alcohol and drug abuse awareness, but she had to sneak in the gambling piece because the schools didn't want to talk about it. And the flip side to that was the schools used so many fundraisers or gambling as yeah. fundraisers. That's interesting. I mean, I, is gambling taboo? I mean, you know, is it... Well, something that people don't want to talk about. They don't want to talk about it because of the money associated with it. Like I said, if they're doing fundraisers, they're selling raffle tickets and 50-50s and it's all this easy. That's so foolishness. I mean, gambling addictions are, one could argue, even more dangerous than other types because there is no obvious physical sign right like if you are addicted to alcohol i'm going to be able to tell when i look at you like when i smell you like i'm gonna be able to tell if you are addicted to um you know food right like that is going to start to show itself right, right. in acne on the skin in your weight or whatever but if you're blowing all your money mm-hmm you're showing you can go right walk into Thanksgiving dinner and I don't know correct and so it deserves warrants more discussion not less well they were talking they and I love this concept they would set up um, and I have to reach out to some of those experts and get them on too so they can get into more detail but they'll set up mock bedrooms for to parents to search as part of like parental training and and they'll find the booze and the alcohol but they'll be the lottery tickets or things with the video games and stuff and they're they're totally missing the gambling stuff as a general rule i don't have specific stats or anything but at least it was encouraging that the the community the recover you know the professionals have it out there it's just that people just don't think of it at all and yeah, and then, and then I circle back to, though, that we live in the most uh, information-accessible time in the history of the world. That's a little backwards. Look it up. <laughs> what do you... Your, your kid is stuck in a rut? Look it up. You are stuck in a rut. Look it up. Like, go get help. Like, it, it's just the... So, Mel Robbins, again, I'm dropping her name a couple... You know, what is that? Two or three times now? But... Um, she calls it the action. What does she call it? She calls it the. Um, ba, 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 ba. You know what? Here I she's am. She's not. She's not one of my ladies, so I'm gonna have to look her oh, up. Oh, Robbins. Oh yeah, you definitely gotta look her up. Uh, I have my cell phone out because I'm looking up something right now. I, I'm gonna find it in three, two, one. Ah, it's called the knowledge action gap. The knowledge action gap. Because we all know what we should do. Mm-hmm. Right, like if you're overweight, you know what you have to do, right? But so it's it's the knowledge action gap. Um, if you so so getting people to move from what they know they need to do to actually like doing it, bridging that gap, is well, that's a it's a skill, it's a talent. Um, that uh, that you know I have carved my niche professionally in you know Tony Robbins, best to ever do it. Like, if you want to, like, okay, what does Tony Robbins do? Tony Robbins is the most successful person who's ever lived at bridging people's knowledge action gaps. He gets people to just 
do to do what they really knew they should have been doing all along. Those cold showers don't sound like something we should be doing. Oh, no? Uh, well, I mean, well, his logic, should. yes, but... You should. They're great. For me, it just doesn't excite me. <laughs> cold therapy is... is Trending. It's, it's great. <laughs> cold therapy is great. Yeah. Like, but you, but that's so not what you need to do. Okay, so um, people out there, you want to do something that's like simple? Okay, here we go. Um, if you want to sleep better, the things that you'll find when you Google how to sleep better are what? You're going to hear, don't expose yourself to your cell phone like half hour before bed, right? Like put that away. What do we all do basically right before bed? We expose ourselves to the brightest lights of the house, AKA the ones above the sink in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. Like those are, in my opinion, like I call them like eye roll. Like they're, they're totally like they're eye roll suggestions. They're huff and puff suggestions. Cause you can't get to action it, easily or. Well, well it, it's kind of just like, like, yeah, like, I know, I know, I know. But like, are you really going to tell me that like the fact that I can't sleep comes down to the fact that I brush my teeth before bed? Like, 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 uh, like, like they're just eye roll stuff. Like when you, when you tell somebody you shouldn't be on your phone, like half hour before bed, they're like, I know it's just like an eye roll, huff and puff, like whatever. Let me give you something that's different. Let me give you something right now that you're not going to find online. Okay. If you want to sleep better at night, you need to go to bed in a place of gratitude. When I guest lecture, when I public speak, I ask this question, I get, I say, where is, where is the single best place to go to sleep at night? And they're like, uh, my bed. <laughs> and they're like, and it's like, no, 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 no. It's not a literal place. It's not like a physical place. I want you to go to bed in a place of gratitude, right? If you go like, okay, you are in your bed. You are now committed to the fact that you are not going to do any more work today. You are in the bed. You're underneath the covers. <laughs> you have, therefore, thrown in the towel, not permanently, but for that day, for that, for that day, yeah. for this cycle of consciousness, you're done. So why are you thinking about the stress of tomorrow? Why? In order to best prepare yourself for the stress of tomorrow, you should get a good night's sleep. That's what you should do. So you should you should shift your focus from the stress, the anxiety, whatever, to a place of gratitude. When before we started recording, I, what did I say? Are you going to talk about this? Good. I want you to tell them. All what right. did I have on my ceiling? You have a post-it that says, "What am I What am I grateful for?" Yep. That you look at. Before you go to sleep every day. On Is my, it still there? It's, on my, it's not there anymore. Um, it's not there anymore because I don't need it any, there anymore. Like Pavlov, like Pavlov's dogs. Do like, like the bell rings, the dog starts salivating. I have created a association with my pillow with that question. Okay, so putting my head on the pillow triggers what I call the gratitude question. So I don't need the sticky note there anymore. But the sticky note was there to build the association between bed and gratitude. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I now go to bed in a place of gratitude and I wake up and the stress and anxiety creeps in. Of course, mm -hmm. you know, it infiltrates the mind immediately, but at least I got a good night's sleep. 
Well, and you're putting it out there too, to your point. If you Google it, people are going to say write down three things or do whatever, which are not bad exercises, but you just made it easier for everybody. They don't even have to write anything down. They just need to think for a second. It's called triggering. Yeah. Triggering is this idea of, of creating that Pavlov, like, you know, whatever reaction, right? So like I use triggering, um, like as a strategy to build gratitude, to bring gratitude to the forefront of your awareness. So like, whereas before traffic used to stress me out now, when I experience traffic, it triggers the gratitude question. Every single time I hit traffic because of how many times while in traffic, I made, I said, I forced myself to say, okay, what are you grateful for right now? Because of how many times I've done that, now it automatically triggers that question. And you have to understand that you can't give the same damn answers. You can't say, well, you know, Paul, my sister, my mom, my job, my house, my dog. Like you can't, those are the big things that we all have in our life, roof over our head, whatever. Those are the big things that we all can at any point in time point to that you can be grateful for. The secret, the key to gratitude is to think smaller, right? You want to think of the things that happened that day that you can and should be grateful for that in the moment you didn't really process and you took for granted, right? The fact that someone held the door for you, the fact that like there was a parking space like closer to the front of the store and like that was really, you know, that was fantastic. Or, you know, you didn't just say that you went us walking from the back of the parking lot. You're a fitness (laughs) guy. I I actually, I actually, you know what? I got to tell you, I actually don't believe in that at all. Like (laughs) I'll go into that, but like, so that's triggering, right? Triggering is finding something is identifying something that would normally stress you out. And then now using that thing to trigger the gratitude question, right? So like quick little takeaways for the people for like self care. Right, how you want to like, like okay, quick little, quick little things that you're not necessarily gonna like get on Google, um, to start like filling your cup. Right, you can't pour from an empty cup. Right, little things start pouring your cup. We have the sleep. Right, go to bed in a place of gratitude. So even if you don't change anything else, like you still are glued to your phone right before bed, fine. You still are exposing yourself to the bright lights of the kitchen, you know, of the of the bathroom sink before bed, fine. But like, so you don't even have to change all that yet. Right? Like, go to a place, go to bed in a place of gratitude, great. Enough of sleep. Two, nutrition. I could sit here for two hours and talk about nutrition. Here's the quickest little tidbit. If you want to start cha- like improving your nutritional regimen, just start right now. Start skipping breakfast. Start skipping you have to, as a consumer of either products or information, be able to decipher the difference between science and marketing. Is what I am hearing science or marketing? What is the bre- is the most important meal of the day? Well, I'm supposed to say breakfast because right. of marketing. Because of marketing. Every single person on the planet has heard the phrase, breakfast is the most important meal of the day because of billions of dollars of marketing and advertising that have been um, collaborated upon by all of the breakfast food companies, okay? Mm-hmm. So, so because whether you sell cereal or waffles or pancake mix or syrup or like eggs or whatever, we're all gonna benefit from America coming under the impression that 
breakfast is the most important meal of the day, but that there's zero science behind that and it's all marketing. And in fact, the science is the complete opposite. When you rewind the clock, evolutionarily speaking, mom did not have eggs on the fire when you woke up in the morning. You did not have food readily available when you woke up. Every day was, I have to wake up and go find food. So your default biochemistry is actually such that you're meant to go without food for a period of time. Um, now you're like, okay, no guy, you're wrong. You know why, how I know you're wrong? Cause if I don't eat like in the morning, I get nauseous. Like I literally brush my teeth and like, if I don't, like if I go out of the house without eating, I start getting really nauseous. Okay. That is the difference between evolution and adaptation. Okay. The, so evolution is semi-permanent, semi, like, but for all intent and purpose, permanent. We're just going to say for the purposes of this conversation, permanent, whereas adaptation is highly temporary. Okay. If I drop you, Bobby, in, 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 in Antarctica right now, you within a week or two tops, you are going to start growing hair in places you've never grown hair before as a response to the cold. Okay. Is that a trait that you're going to pass on to your offspring if you were to have kids evolutionarily? No, that's an adaptation, right? Your body just quickly adapted. And if I bring you back here to Schenectady, the hair in those unique places will stop growing, right? Evolution's semi, for all intent and purpose, permanent. Adaptation's not. So if you wake up in the morning and you have early morning nausea, that's an adaptation. You have adapted to expect food in the morning. So now your body starts to release digestive enzymes in anticipation of food that if it doesn't come, makes you nauseous. All that hydrochloric acid in your stomach, all those enzymes in your stomach, sitting there ready to digest the food that comes down your throat. When it doesn't come, all that acidity makes you want to puke. It's an adaptation. But if you don't eat, in like three days, your body will stop doing that. And you won't have early morning nausea anymore. So what's the benefit? Why was that the one that you pointed out for nutrition? Well, so because if you, if you were to not even change your nutritional habits at all, but you then cut out breakfast, that is like a third of your calories. It's like 33% of bad calories that you're no longer having. If you were to shift from a three meal a day to a two meal a day person, that's two less unhealthy meals now that you're having. And that's, believe it or not, going to make a difference in your health, a big difference in your health. Okay. That wasn't where I thought you were going to go with that. Oh, I want to. I thought you were going to go back to the airport cells. That's where I thought you were going to go, but. Well, intermittent fasting, which is that concept of, yeah. of not eating in the morning and, and returning yourself back to your biochemical evolutionary default mm -hmm. is a great weight loss tool. But that's, no, that's not where I'm going with it. And I could talk for an hour or two about how to optimize the literal foods that you're eating. Maybe you should come back another day and we should do like another food and nutrition down the road. Would you be okay with that? I have a lot of moving parts right now that I want to come back 
like three or four or five times to talk about. Okay. Like I have a supplement business that my sister and I are starting together. When I say supplement, I don't mean um, macro supplements. Macro is like protein supplements. I'm talking micro nutritional supplements, vitamins and minerals. Um, we're going to be launching that pretty soon. My sister and I are also co-authoring a book together. I would love to come talk about that. I would love to, Paula and I, my fiance, um, we're launching in about seven or eight months. Uh, the book's in the graphic designing phase right now. Uh, her and I are, are launching a recipe book together. I'm launching a fitness program, like the, I kind of said, like the, the modern day Richard Simmons, kind of like the Tony Horton meets Tony Robbins, um, you know, th that exercise system. We're launching that inside of this year. Uh, there's a lot of really exciting things, and I would love to come back and talk about each and every one of them. They're going to love you, so absolutely. Well, who knows? <laughs> what, do you, what do you tell them to do? Write, comment, whatever? Well, I will say <laughs> Hopefully that we don't get too many thumbs downs. This was the most, um, I don't want to say like relaxed, but it wasn't on one topic, which I appreciated, and, and there was some good dialogue between us as far as off topic, which was fun. So, I liked it. I don't know if you got out of it what you wanted to get out of it. I mean, it's... Well, you know, so here's the thing. The reason you're sitting here is because you're an expert at what you're an expert at, right? And I think that everybody can take away, even if they just took away the, the skip breakfast and the gratitude piece. I mean, you, and, you didn't see this, my notes of what I was going to ask you before you got here. And one of the last questions is, what are you grateful for? So we were on the same page all along, as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. So you have to answer that question, and then we can wrap it up. Sure. Um, can I preface it with like a one-minute one story? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm not trying all to right. limit you. It's just that um, when you are in a room with people who are homeless, and you ask, what are you grateful for? You hear answers that are very different than answers that you hear when you are like around your Thanksgiving table, okay? And like, so like my family, right? We, uh, we all had like these um, sticky notes that there were like 14 of us. And so my aunt wanted all of us to write on it what you're grateful for. Those are very different answers. Like around my Thanksgiving dinner table, like, and then we put them in a hat and we shuffled them and we all passed the hat around. We all read one, right? But hopefully it wasn't the one that you wrote, but you know, whatever. And you had like, family. Okay. Thanks, genius. Like, <laughs> like, like, yes. Like we're all here at Thanksgiving. The family's here. Yes. Like which one of you morons wrote family? But, <laughs> but, 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 uh, you know, you get a lot of those. You get like. If I was to say to, like, Justin, like our mutual friend, like, hey, Justin, what are you grateful for? He'd be like, he might, he might be quick to say, like, his job. Maybe he won't, maybe, but maybe he, he'll be quick to say his sailboat. He'd be happy or to like, say if he gets a par out of nine holes. <laughs> that one. Um, if you ask, like a, like, a routine, actively, like, contributing member of society, and you say, what are you grateful for? They say... Here's what they don't say. They don't say like toothpaste. They don't say shoe like shoelaces. They don't say soap. Those are things that I hear when I'm at the shelter. 
when I ask a room full of people who are homeless what they're grateful for, you hear things that we, we, we implying um, people who are not facing homelessness often take for granted every day. So with that said, and when you ask me like, what, what am I grateful for? Um, I guess I'll, I'll just start by saying not, I mean, I love Paula and I'm so grateful for Paula, but I'm just saying, let me be really specific in my answer about why I'm grateful for Paula. I came to a realization just the other day that I, she has actually zero times, which is to say not even once has she not supported me. Like no matter what I come to her with, like babe, a business concept, babe, a like dietary nutritional thing I want to do, babe, like a athletic thing I want to start training for no matter what it is. And it is all the time. It is. That's great, babe. And I'm behind you hundred percent. And then she actually takes action. She marries those words with actions that like support me. Um, and I, and I actually just came to that realization. I'm not even kidding a week and a half ago. Oh wow. Like I was on a hike with, with my best friend and we were just talking, clearing our heads. And I actually came face to face with that reality that I actually do have that unbelievable support like at home. And, and, it was a nice wake-up call um, or a nice realization. Um, what else am I grateful for? I hope you went home and told her that. I did. I was okay. very quick to. I All was right. very, very quick to. What else am I grateful for? Um, trying to think smaller. I'll just go with, with one more. I guess. So what else am I grateful for? Um, I was very grateful the other day to come and speak to one of your support groups. Um, everyone was so warm and welcoming and well, maybe not that guy on the right. <laughs> oh I'm sitting here going, what does O stand for? That's funny. Oh, we, that's we, funny. but I just, I love sharing information. I love teaching. And we talked a lot about dopamine, oxytocin, there's your O, serotonin, endorphins and cortisol and, and the biochemistry and everything. And, um, that cerebral parking lot that we were talking about, all these great topics that we could uh, that we could go into, but it was the, it was not so much the opportunity that I was so grateful for because I was volunteering my time. Um, it was how it was received and, uh, and it felt clearly all of you guys are very close. For sure. I was worried that I would come in and be the outsider. Right, like, and mm -hmm. because of how close all of you are, now there's this new person sort of infiltrating our, our like circle of safety, but it wasn't like that, like at all. So I was very grateful for that too. Well, good. I'm grateful that you felt welcome because it wasn't intentional. I mean, we would never want to be oh, rude, well, but um, you fit right in. And I've thought about the parking lot so many times from that, so we will have to revisit that. Um, and we will. I think that you are just such an excellent communicator, whether you're telling a story or, or drawing the picture or, or whatever, you just bring it home. And I really appreciate that because it's easy to comprehend no matter if you're a, you know, 12 year old or 
50 year old I think so you can be honest I'm long winded <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is sorry folks I like it if you're still with us I'm sorry <laughs> I'm sorry alright well we'll have to make another play date that sounds great right. how, how can people get in touch I see that as the final question you have for me yes and you're going to also give me stuff so I can put it at the episode oh sure links yeah um, just for anybody who wants to get in touch, um, there is, well, there's, don't go to it yet because it doesn't exist, but in the, in the coming days or weeks, I'm going to have a, just a www.guywaltman.com. Um, so I'm going to be launching that website. I'm, I'm in the middle of making it right now, but guywaltman.com will eventually be a good place to go, a good resource, but there's obviously just like Instagram guy underscore Waltman. Um, and uh, I'm not hard to find. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm hard. I'm very easy to get in the room with and to go have lunch with or whatever if you're in the 518 area code. So, yeah, my web isn't done either. I'm in the process. So once that's up again, I'll I'll get all your connections up there too. This was a total pleasure. Well, thank you so much for being here. After all that gratitude talk with Guy, I definitely have to express the fact that I am so grateful that I have access to wonderful, wonderful interviewees, broad range of topics, the fact that I get to continue to learn each time I record an episode or am researching, whether it's addiction or self-care or recovery or just overall wellness. So big thanks to Guy and to all my other guests as we've been going uh, to wrap it up, we have a gratitude quote today from Eckhart Tolle. Gratitude brings you more deeply into the present moment. So hopefully, beautiful people, you are taking advantage of that concept and have an amazing day. <laughs> <laughs>